0: Hello and welcome to the BBC Country Farm Magazine podcast and part three of our interview with naturalist and TV presenter Nick Baker. In this episode, Nick talks about the very worst thing that's happened to him in the countryside. He explores the town versus countryside debate and gives his views on badger culling. But most importantly of all, he reveals whether he puts cream or jam first on his scones. Nick is talking to our very own Maria Hodson.
1: What's the worst thing you've experienced in the British countryside?
2: Um mm, well worst things are usually human um human based things. Um I remember feeling sick to the pit of my stomach when I found a badger baiting pit once. Um mm-hmm. um I mean, I mean there's there's plenty there's loads of there's loads of things I see I see people ignorantly abusing their, 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 their just abusing their rights as a human, I guess, is like just just being completely ignorant of the effects they're having on the world around them. I'm not, yeah, I'm not anti, I'm not anti-hunting or anything like that. That's not the problem. It's the I'm more of a problem with. Um, so, for example, the uh, we are all very soft in the UK when it comes to the environment. We never put in rules and regulations. We always put in. Guidelines when it comes to the countryside because everyone lives in fear, upsetting the masses. It's all about access for all. Mm. Now, that I've got no problem with that, but access for all comes with responsibilities. I find wild camping, I think it's brilliant, love wild camping, but wild camping properly, so you leave absolutely no trace of where you've been, is is the challenge and I see so many wild campsites which are just trashing the place especially on places where you go somewhere like on, on Dartmoor there'll be a few little woodlands up there and people think that they're special they think they're on their own they think that no one else does it And but you know I go up there and I, I, I know I can sit at the top of the hill and look down and I'll see six or seven plumes of smoke. They mm-hmm. all think they're doing it on their own. And they don't think anyone's, you know, they think they're not having an influence, but they're, they're just one of many people all thinking they're on their own and they're all having an influence. And, and that's the problem. And part of the problem is there's too many humans, obviously. That's the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. Um, um, which if I was going to back from a magic wand question, that would be another thing I'd do, is, is somehow without upsetting anybody, I'd half the population or something, you know, in one yeah. fell swoop. But that's quite a complicated thing to do. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, I see that sort of thing happening all the time. But, all oh, just dog walking. I said, I've i got no problem with dog walking, got no problem with dogs. But mm. I see people letting their dogs off the lead and um, when it clearly says keep the dogs under close control, on a lead. But close control is a bit of a grey area. What does that mean? Um, and often they think it's to do with livestock whereas as much to do with wildlife as it is to do with livestock it's the breeding season of birds for example and I see that abuse going on and that sort of makes me it ruins a walk in the countryside for me I'm cursed in that respect I look at hedgerows that used to be laid carefully with love people would, would look after the hedges because of course that's, that's what kept their stock in the fields um, but nowadays those skills have gone uh, farmers are, s- are squeezed they're forced to compete in markets that are unrealistic they don't have the time to do that anymore so now they bring out the chain flays and and and, um, and whack the hedges and and slowly weaken them until they don't actually hold the stock back anymore and then people start putting in fences and mm. um, so it makes me sad to see a lovely old what was once an old properly laid hedge but. a with, you know held together with bits of ba- bailer twine and more plastic in the environment you know so so yeah there's there's an endless list of things that make me sad but i think the one that i think the first experience i ever had that really darked me out and made me realize that not all the people in the world saw the world as i did was seeing a pit where they've been baiting badgers you know mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a sport it's it's a it's a, it's an it's an abuse you know and it's right. it's a really 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 awful thing but i'm yeah. sure there's people who work um um on you know raptor persecution that will tell you similar sickening stories about uh, you know poisoned buzzards and hen harriers and all the other things that you will topically hear at the moment as well it's happening all around and mm. it's um yeah there's there's an endless list of of wildlife crimes and it's not just wildlife crimes it's crimes against us it's crimes against those of us who 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 appreciate and value the landscape and uh, yeah. and it, it's yeah. another s- symptom of our disconnection with nature really and um and, and yeah th- not good
1: yeah absolutely in terms of you anti- really
2: brought the mood down now i'm now no, no. feeling really i was feeling really happy up until that point <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, this this is the flip. That's the problem with that question because it takes you to yeah. the best place and then the worst place. I'll try and get yeah. you back to the best place. Um, okay, but, go on. Then. But 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 in in one moment actually, because my quick question there is in terms of um, humans, do you think there's a there's a urban-rural divide?
2: I don't think there is. I think it's be I think it's made. I think it's been created politically. Mm. Um, I think the countryside has become politicised in the sense of uh yeah you don't know what we're what we do out here how dare you have a say in the countryside we're doing it so for example just the fox hunting um issue and the badger um tb issue they've become a them and us they've become them and us issues it's like Mm. you townies you don't know what you're talking about etc etc but that's it's absolute nonsense but it's become politicized it's become a it's become a weapon to, to to heft around um yeah, you know, I live in the countryside. I've lived in the countryside all my life, but you know, I don't, I don't see it that way at all. I see an awful lot, and I see an awful lot of countryside traditions that have been let, let, let go. Mm. It's got nothing to do with tradition. Nothing to do with tradition. Fox hunting and and badger baiting. I'm I'm a pragmatic naturalist. If you can actually prove to me that you are doing actually helping the TB situation by removing badgers, then you've got an argument, and I'll have to you know I'll have to rethink the thing. But so far, there's absolutely uh, there's no across the board um, solution to TB, and mm. and we've been killing badgers in various ways for. Thirty, thirty odd years now, thirty five years, something like that, um, with no noticeable actual effect, uh, a difference and change in the TB prevalence. Mm. Um, and I think so. Uh, you know, any basic science will tell you. You know, you've got A A plus B equals C. If you take out B for badger, mm. and you still get in C, then that B has nothing to do with it. It's something else, and uh, and and every child that's learning about uh, is learning sort of algebraic uh, formula at school will tell you the same. But for some reason, a bunch of grown-up politicians and uh, a load of farmers and and environmentalists, and we can't come to the bottom of it. Can't get to the bottom of it. Can't understand that simple that simple rule. So yeah, that's uh, that. Yeah. So I I think the actual the divide between the countryside and um, and the town is a completely made up one. I don't think it's a difference, I think. Um, Obviously, if you grow up in the town um, and you're not exposed to the countryside, then you may not know how to behave or how to relate to it, but that, that that shouldn't be the case. I mean, that's I think schools should be teaching that stuff at a very basic level. In fact, I think urban schools are better at it than rural schools. Mm. Um, but um, I think you know teaching that connection with nature is, it would be important. I was a great supporter of this bring you know bringing a, a GCSE in natural history, oh, and that wouldn't that be brilliant? Yeah. But 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 if that doesn't work, how about every child wild? How about the wildlife trust com- campaign where the, the aim was to get every child out in nature for at least an hour a week? It doesn't seem like a massive ask to me. Now, that nature can be what you like. It could be a, it could be down the park. It could be the playing field. Every school grounds has the potential to have an unstructured play area, you know, and, and, and make it as natural as possible. And 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 that can be done. The only thing holding it back is our imagination. Yeah, that's all it is.
1: Yeah, well, that, that was one of my other questions, but it, it sounds like you've already answered it. Do you think children need to get outside more? Um, definitely, Yeah,
2: definitely, 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 definitely. I mean, and, and even my child, even my own child needs to go out more. I'm not, I'm not a, a, you know, I, I'm not beyond criticism. It's so difficult being a modern parent. It mm. really is in the sense of, um, you know, the distractions are different. I, I, my parents would just go, right, go on, outside, that's enough TV, <laughs> outside, they kick you out the door. I don't want to see you until tea time. And we would be bored stiff for a little while. <laughs> and then what happens is boredom is the, is, is, is the invention of, of adventure. You know, yeah. you're bored. You're going, you, you get to a point where you can't be bored anymore and you have to do something. And by just doing that, you engage yourself. And before you know it, you're playing. And then you're being inventive and you're engaging with the world around you. And that's what we did. And that's what that's the biggest difference between me and most children. Uh, nowadays, and even in my day, actually, no. When I was a young, I was young, but growing up where I was, that was pretty much what kids did. Now it's there's all these there's uh, you know we've become um, well health and safety hyper aware we've become uh worried about stuff that's not really worth worrying about we've really got into a, ourselves into a proper lather when it comes to um how we do this and uh, we've lost our way and parents have lost their way as well i'm a pretty aware parent i'd like to think but even i fight the ipad you know it's like the tablet is the first convenient babysitter in the world it comes out and you know off she goes minecraft out it comes and 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 it goes quiet and you forget you know, mm. you forget they're there doing it. And then you realize, because we're not used to it because we didn't grow up with it. We forget it's addiction. Mm. So, you know, I mean, I remember the first computer, the BBC Model B. My parents got one when we were little. And um, it, for educational reasons, of course. But of course, me and my brother would play games on it. But we it, we were limited. We had an hour and that was it. You know, once that hour was up, you turn it off. So mm. it's it's about discipline to an extent. It's about parental discipline. Um, and creating opportunities, I think that's it, and getting kids out. But if and parents need to do it, but also schools need to do it, and it's a joint, a bit of joint up If everyone does it and everyone gets them out there, then we will be looking at a healthier uh, generation. We're looking at a generation that are uh, less sedate. They won't be suffering from um, the huge um, 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 obesity issues that mm. we've got at the moment. The yeah. mental health issues in kids are massive. You know, it's that's on the increase. And all these things um, can be alleviated, if not cured, by exposure to nature in the right ways. Because let's yeah. face it, right, we're all naturally designed to be in nature. Mm. So you stick us in an artificial environment. Stick my daughter in front of an iPad and she comes off it. She's a grumpy, she's cantankerous, she's lost everything. She's lost the reality. She's yeah. not in the real world anymore. And it takes her an hour or two to settle out. And But then i stick her out into a field full of grasshoppers and get her catching grasshoppers. And... In time, she's forgotten it. And in fact, you know, she'll prefer to do that than than anything else. In fact, we had a weekend last year where we had a we went to Legoland on one day, which was a nightmare, and on the next day we went to um, Selborne, Gilbert White's place, another great naturalist and a great British naturalist. We went to it's a little, it's a private trust. It's a, it's very national trusty in its feel, but it's really nicely done. It's very quaint and it's a very beautiful chapter in British history and British natural history. And I didn't expect my daughter to really enjoy it. But, um, you know, she she enjoyed running around the fields catching grasshoppers. And then as I tucked her into bed on that Sunday night, I said, oh, it was a lovely weekend. What was your favourite bit? And I expected to say Legoland or, you know, something like that. And mm. it wasn't. It was catching grasshoppers. Oh. And, and she didn't do it. She didn't do it to please me. That was yeah. a genuine response. And it was like a... That's exactly what I wanted to hear, but didn't expect to hear. <laughs> so that's it. The power of nature is massive, and, it, and it, it's, it's creating opportunities. Just a picnic in the woods, or take them out into a park, or just get just, You'll be surprised how easy it is.
1: Mm, absolutely. In fact, it's
2: so easy. The solution to many of our modern-day problems is so simple. It's right under our noses. But because we live in a complicated world, we feel that the solution has to be complicated as well. But it's not. It's as simple as get outside. Just turn everything off, Go outside.
1: That's very and you'll feel a lot better Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, do you have any locations or activities in Britain on your bucket list?
2: Oh god, um, loads. Um, well, I still want to see a dotterel. I, I need to. I keep getting snowed off. I must see a dotterel, which is a uh, an upland nesting bird, um, um, which I have a little soft spot for. Um, I still haven't seen Orca in the British Isles, which mm-hmm. would be, so, so killer whales would be great. Yeah. Um, I would like to cycle Land's End to John O'Groats. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, I love my cycling. Um, I'd like to cycle all the way around the coast. Um, uh, yeah, there's hundreds. I mean, they just go. No, that's <laughs> a great. I haven't, been, that's exciting. I haven't been to Kingly Vale yet. <laughs> um, I'd like to do a tour of all British National Nature Reserves. I'd like to join them all. I'd like to go out and see them all. And and put them all down and, and document them all. I'd love to do that. That'd be a great uh, thing. It's too long for a TV series, unfortunately. So as soon as I start trying to get a TV production company interested, they just look at the number and go, well, I think 144 is a little too many <laughs> episodes, Nick. So straight away it becomes unrealistic, but it's something I'd love to do. It's only on my, on my bucket list of, of, of fantasies. Um, mm. um, and, and there's countless others as well. I'd, um, yeah, no, it's uh, there's there's there are plenty, and there's loads of experiences I've done once and want to do again. They're still on my bucket list, though. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, yeah, well, you won't find skydiving on there, though. That's one thing I won't do. I'm not uh, I'm not into adrenaline sports uh, other than my mountain biking, which I love. Um, I'm not really into the idea of doing things that are so unnatural that they. I don't, you know, if I want to give if I'm scared the hell out of myself, I can do it in other ways that are much more creative. I, I think, you know, jumping out of an airplane just doesn't make sense to me at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. And, and what's your proudest achievement? Mm.
2: Um, oh, well, my daughter, I guess. But again, that's not, strictly speaking, 100% my achievement. Um, but then if I Joint think of oh, any of my achievements, none of the, none of them are 100% my achievement, <laughs> are they? Um, uh, I don't think I've achieved anything on my own, really, if I'm honest. Um,
1: you can have achieved it as part of a team as well. That's, that still <sighs> counts, yeah.
2: It's really, I think for me, I set up, I think it was the beginning of me, you can actually change the world a little bit. If you just um, do things, there's two I can spring to mind. The first one was I, when I was at university, um, I wasn't, I didn't particularly go down. I didn't particularly um, gel with university life. I, I found it quite a struggle. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a great intellect. I'm certainly not. I'm, I'm sort of a pseudo academic. I have academic interest and curiosity. But as soon as you start throwing numbers and statistics around, you've lost my interest. Um, but I set up at university a club for kids, for kids like me as a kid. Um, and I set up a club called the Bug Club, which I set up with one of the academics there um, under the auspices of the Royal Entomological Society of London. Mm. And that was quite a big one for me because it, it, it's still going to this day. It's not, It hasn't gone much further. It hasn't really grown much. But it's an organization which, well, for me, I think it was the fact that it proved to me that you, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Um, and the same could be said. I, I accidentally did the hardest foot race on earth. I accidentally signed up to Marathon Desab in the same way, which is like six marathons back to back through the Sahara Desert. And I did that for raise money for Save the Rhino a few wow. years back now. But I did that. And, and that was an achievement because it wasn't about fast. It was about surviving it. And I met loads of people at the back of the race where I was. Cause I, I limped it. I walked along. Um, when you're not a runner... Um, or you've lost your running ability, like I did very quickly. I became very lame. Um, you It's about surviving the day and going to those dark places in the back of your head and trying to pull yourself out of the pit of despair that you find yourself in, and it's a physical, mental challenge. Um, and at the back of the race, you'll find lots of people interesting, but much more interesting than the, the uber-fit sinewy athletes at the front who win every year. Um, but the the, the 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 people suffering at the back are much more interesting stories anyway. So um, that that proved to me that we're all heroes. We can all do things. We can all do amazing things if we put our minds to it. Um, but more recently, um, the thing I'm most proud of is um, I'm not a church goer. I don't. Um, I'm not religious. I'm certainly not. Uh, I don't. I don't have any sort of deity that I subscribe to. Um, but I do. Um, go to church now um but i go to church to check on my swifts um <laughs> when i first moved to my little village on the edge of dartmoor there were swifts nesting in the church and i was at some school fair and the vicar was there and i chatted to him our vicar is a, a very very a very forward-thinking vicar he's very, he's, a, he's quite a lot of fun and um I remember sitting down to him. I, I sat, sat down at the table. I said, excuse me, can I sit here? Or is this uh, just a table for God's people? And he looked <laughs> at me and said, Nick, we're all God's people. <laughs> so that was a good start. And we yeah. sat down and we had a chat. And I said, "I started talking about Swift, and there's no Swift in the tower. And um, he said, well, what would you need to get them back? And I said, well, you'd need some nest boxes and a bit of understanding. Mm. And he said, well, why don't you do it then? So he gave me permission, and we started but I put nest boxes up in the tower. Well, I, I didn't do it personally, but I, I just organized it. I, I just did the only bit I did was put hand in my pocket and bought from Swift Conservation a little a cheap Chinese amplifier and a speaker and an SD card with the calls of Swifts on. And we played them from the top of the church tower uh, in conjunction with positioning nest boxes, which were all part of the belfry refurbishment that was going on. And we got Swifts this year for the first time. Amazing. And there's nothing more pleasurable or simple and looking up in the sky watching swifts going in and out of the nest boxes that you put there that they wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the fact that you actually got off your ass and did something you know and and uh, if a lot a lots of what i do you could say yeah nick it's because of what you do it's because you're in the public eye a little bit i'm not a celebrity but i'm i'm on that you know i'm not even a z lister but i'm i'm on that spectrum somewhere and people think that that open and it does open a certain amount of doors and it, I, you know i do have a lot of privileges because of that um, but this is nothing to do with this was simply a community moment where and i i you know, I, I i asked the question and then acted upon the answer and we can all do that. We can all make the world a better place for natural history if we just find something that we're interested in and go for it. And you you, and you have to sit through committees. We had the church tower committee. We had the church committee. We had um, several meetings, which didn't I, I, well, we were kind of frustrating, and I'm not entirely sure what they achieved, but we have to go through the process. And there was many times I was just so frustrated with it. I thought, this is never going to happen. Um, it would be easier to give up. But I'm a fairly stubborn individual, and I just carried on um again we had a few other people the architect was quite supportive We had the chippy who was suggested making the swift boxes at his expense it wasn't something that you know everyone did their little bit but it all was sort of coordinated and i you know i look up with those swifts going backwards and forwards and and now that's the the church is now a big big bird box for me and i go back there and now what i'm going to do is put cameras in there i'm going to get a little um a little uh flat screen TV downstairs we're going to beam pictures from the church tower down to the TV so people are coming to, come into this, to come into church can see the birds in the tower above their heads in their nest boxes um, it chuckle, it makes me chuckle amuses me greatly to, to know they're also known as devil birds um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the devil is now firmly in our church which is wonderful um, but also um, it's a community it becomes a, it's, it's a central point for the community it's a talking point of the community it brings the church back into relevance at another level <laughs> Um, and also, we can connect with the school as well. So, I'm going to beam pictures down to the school so we can follow the progress of the birds. And then it becomes a center of the world thing because these birds are only with us for a short period of time when they breed and then they disappear. And I would like in time to maybe put trackers on these birds and find out where they go. So, these birds, chances are they go all the way down to Cape Town or somewhere like that and then back again. So, you can kind of imagine your community with the swifts in it right now. And then when you're watching them on the summer's evening, you know, dashing around above your head, these sort of aerial psychopaths sizing up the <laughs> summer sky. Um, while what, what you're doing just think what they're experiencing when they're up there and also think where they're going to go, where what their life is like, because most of their life, well, all of their life, except for the few moments they spend in the nest bottles, are on the wing. But these birds, they link where you sit right now with pretty much the rest of the world it's a, it's a, it's it's the right kind of globalization you know and <laughs> i love to imagine where they go and it, it you, you wherever you live then becomes the center of the world as far as those swifts are concerned and and i like that thought and it's a way of of kind of joining up across the oceans and and making people aware of um of, of of the greater network of connections that we sit amongst you know and that's what we are we are humans sitting in a we are supported by um lots of in a food chain basically we we're, we're supported in an ecological web and uh you know and and swifts are just part of that
1: mm wonderful thank you very much so um we've actually gone way over because it's been so so interesting chatting. i'm
2: sorry it's because i talk a lot i'm sorry no no i do it's most bad. of my stuff most of the stuff i do is on my own you see so when i get someone to speak to i just talk far too much i do apologize No, but
1: they're all great answers this is it um no it's been it's been really interesting talking so my final question is um is cream or jam first on a scone or scone however you say it and why
2: Ah, you're gonna you're I'm upset all the, because I know I, because I live in Devon, you see. That's, yeah. Now I'm gonna upset my my wife's Devonish, so that's gonna upset her. Whatever I say now is gonna be and it, it polarizes it polarizes conversations more so than badger baiting or, or non badger baiting <laughs> I know. Or, or yeah. It's Hence a really difficult one. I mean, to be honest with you, I like to be a little contrary. So the logical thing is because I was brought up in a fairly uh, standard household where you put butter on the scone and you put jam on top. Um, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the way things are done. So straight away, just like blokes shouldn't wear earrings. As soon as I'm away from home, I started to do So away from my sort of parental home. I got an earring, you know, just because that's not what I'm supposed to do. Um, but and equally, it goes with the scones. I'm afraid I put the jam on first and then and then the cream on later.
1: Absolutely fine there. But, I, but I'm of
2: some certain age now where I've even stopped doing that as much, you know, because <laughs> uh, you know, unless I'm exercising, if I'm sitting at a desk writing books, then I tend to, to put on a bit of timber around the middle and I'm, 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 I'm getting to an age where it doesn't go away quite as quickly.
0: <laughs> Jam first and then cream. Well, I never. Well, don't tell anyone, but I agree with him. As ever, if you'd like to get in touch, to agree or disagree or to talk about any other issues that nick raised please email me fergus collins at editor at countryfire.com and i'd like to say a huge thank you to nick for giving us so much of his time and so much of his wonderful experience energy and joy of life it really was a pleasure listening to him if you enjoyed this podcast you can find more by searching for bbc Countryfile magazine on itunes or acast and there are plenty of other countryside wonders at our website countryfile.com. thanks so much for listening goodbye now